Welcome to Ethereal Underground, Episode 8. I'm your host, TNT, and this episode, it's just going to be me. This is similar to the videos I used to do. I entitled them Fireside Chat. So these are general items I wanted to discuss with you this evening. It'll be interesting. It's non-scripted. So there's no telling how this fireside chat will end up. I was thinking the other day about how reality has changed. I look back, I grew up in the uh, 70s and 80s, graduating in the mid-80s, but my memories as far as how life was, uh, the television programs that were available. Back then in the 70s, I just had a little black and white TV, and we had limited channels. We had the ABC, CBS, NBC. Then we had the UHF channel 30 and a local channel 11. So really that was five stations. That was it. But I look at uh, society in general, the toys, the type of bicycles we had, the community, the behavior of neighbors in the subdivision, school, and how it's so different than today. The contrast is alarming. Today, it's as if I'm living on a different planet or a completely different reality than the 1970s and 80s growing up. So from my perspective, it's not that long ago. I mean, I can remember later elementary school, certainly can remember junior high and high school, and it does not seem that long ago. But the question is, has, has reality changed or has my perception changed to where I just see things differently now than I did growing up, pre-teens and teens, adolescence, into my early 20s? And I came to the conclusion, no, I think reality definitely has changed. Of course, my perception has changed and I'm older, more mature, the way I'm able to develop more complicated thought processes and getting more data points of geopolitics and news and run an analysis. So I have deeper thinking than back when I was 16. But even at 16, I, I was a deep thinker compared to my peers. But society has definitely changed. People have changed. There, there's a notable physical, social, but also spiritual difference in people's behavior. It's rare. They do exist, but it's rare to have a community. Communities, communities still existed in the 70s early part of the 1980s. So today, it's 
somewhat normal. Of course, there are exceptions because you might be saying, well, that's not the case where I am. But overall, it's rare if someone knows their neighbor on a first name basis who are five to ten homes to the left or right in a subdivision. That was different for me, my experience in the growing up in the 70s, you basically knew everyone on the block. Your block, the next block to the right, next block to the left, or the next block north or south. So your range of neighbors was much greater in the 70s. There was uh, less movement, transient people in the 70s, so people tended to stay three, five, ten plus years or longer in the 70s in a particular location. So that allowed you to get to know them because they were there longer. Today, I don't know, I didn't check before this recording, but a lot of times the average stay of an employment is three to five and a half years, and then people move on. They transition to another job, someone that offers more money or uh, a fancier title. So they move on, and that's quite common even in subdivisions today where people are coming and going within five years. So you have a high rotation of neighbors in your street nearby city blocks. So that also might make it difficult to get to know them. The Mandela effect is definitely real. There's perceptions, memories that we have, stable, focused, anchor memories that we have as children growing up, early teens, that today are different, either spelling or pronunciation or plot lines. And we know growing up that there's no way it was like that in the 70s or 80s. So our memory hasn't failed. What happens is reality has definitely shifted and we are grounded in a memory that by today's reference no longer exists. So if you were to get engaged in the conversation today going, no, 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 I remember this book or this particular song by Mr. Rogers or this particular brand of cereal, whatever it might be, this phrase in a movie, the color of this van, whatever the topic might be, is different. People are like, oh, you're nuts. No, you're not. The reality has shifted, so storylines, songs, lyrics of songs, colors, particular cartoons, whatever it might be, literally has changed, but we remember it different as it appeared in the 70s or 80s. I'm referencing 70s and 80s because that's my period growing up, but you might be thinking, yep, I remember that in the 50s and 60s. I remember a particular diner or a slogan of hot dogs or of a soup or soda, and it's different now. It, we all have our stories, examples that we can refer to. Well, we're not crazy. Reality has changed, and we are anchored, our memory banks, in the reality of that time period, which from our perspective was accurate. 
and the reality today has changed. It's very sophisticated, extremely hard to to describe in the English language. Well, how's that possible? It is because we live in a holographic existence, so we we're able to process frequencies, whether it's light by our eyes, and our brain interprets various colors or sound, tastes, what we hear, tonalities. But that can be changed. It could also be changed from a non-human standpoint. There can be intelligent life forms that are not carbon-based. They're of a different dimension, and they would have the ability to influence incoming electromagnetic frequencies that we as humans are designed to interpret and process. Well, they could tweak the incoming frequencies, and what we're experiencing today is a different frequency than what was admitted in 1970s or 80s. So we're like, wait a minute, we remember the song, the lyrics are different, or the colors were different, or they didn't call this serial that, the logo was this, and it's different today. That's because this artificial matrix that I've been talking about for years and years and years is absolutely controlled at a non-human level. And if they change it ever so slightly, the current reality today would create an experience that's different than the memories we had decades ago. That's because we're still able to access that memory in the etheric field. We're still able to access the event as it was streamed live in the 70s or 80s. We can still access that memory. But today, the same broadcasting of a logo, a slogan of a corporation, a particular song or a cartoon that's being broadcast today has ever so slightly changed. That's what we refer to as a Mandela effect. So we're not going crazy. It's just actually the system engineers who have created a, a fake or false reality. It's a reality that's not sanctioned or endorsed, okayed by the divine, this dynamic energy. These are very old and sophisticated life forms. They have technology that just dwarfs what we can imagine. <clears throat> Think about it. We're a younger species and we are limited in our technology. So if you have intelligence, life forms that are of different dimensions and older, well, of course, they're going to be more advanced and have technologies that from our perspective, from our standpoint, is just mind-blowing. If, if you think of colony of ants, if you were to uh, see ants and they're bus very busy cr crossing a particular tree branch or a sidewalk, and, and they have this highway, this trail, and the ants are going back and forth all day long. They're using chemicals. The pioneers will set a trail maybe to a food source, and they'll leave scent endorphins, and then the rest of the ants can follow that highway, that scent, to go to and fro. Maybe it's a food source where there's something sweet, sugar, something of that nature. You see these out ants, colony ants, all day long going back and forth on this ant trail.
if you were to interrupt one of those ants from our perspective and show them a smartphone or any other type of technology that we have, the ant would the ant really understand it? Could it comprehend it? If you think of the reality or the conscious awareness of ants, not saying ants aren't intelligent, they're extremely strong, they're industrious, well-designed insect. And in an ant world, very interesting how ants function as a society. And really, ants, you don't want to mess with ants. I mean, ants can kill a human being. Ants can kill a large animal, water buffalo, for example. You, you don't want to mess with an ant. But from an ant's perspective, looking at our technology, they wouldn't understand it. It would be beyond their comprehension. Well, in a lot of cases, we could be like an ant colony to much older species that are of a different dimension. But people's uh, behavior today have definitely been manipulated. The ancient texts, uh, scriptural references, talk about the fact that we're in a, a spiritual war. And war, whatever context you use war, it's usually not warm and fuzzy. The expression, the definition of war itself means that there's casualties. There's a struggle for a victor and a loser. Could be life or death. It's, it's pretty, pretty contrast war. And war is usually not warm and fuzzy. It's not positive. There's uh, costs to be paid. So spiritual warfare would not be fun. It wouldn't be warm or fuzzy, and there would be casualties. So in this spiritual warfare, those that would be the combatant enemies or those that are fighting against us, let's say at a spiritual level, which really messes with the mind, the consciousness, emotions. That's probably a, a spiritual warfare is way more difficult, harder than, than physical war. But in the spiritual war, the enemies have done a good job as far as disintegrating community, tearing apart the family, the nucleus of a family. Family And the essence of, of human, being a human, is humans are very conversational. They're hands-on. As humans, we do better in communities. We really aren't designed and meant to be isolated. But under ideal circumstances... Human companionship is very positive and upbuilding. If you have a human gathering, like a picnic, or a happy festival, like a, a wedding, a reunion, an anniversary, something where family or community celebrate, it's usually, and, and the way it's designed, is a happy event. If, if I think back as a 
kid growing up when we would have softball games and church picnics or uh, neighborhood picnics. Maybe there is a, a yearly festival block party type thing. I never had bad experiences. When, when I think back, it was always plenty of food, right? There's food and soda pop, uh, iced teas and Kool-Aid type drinks, unlimited drinks and a variety of food, and then there's always the uh, desserts, you name it, from brownies to cookies to pies and cakes. It's unlimited. It's to where you overate. And uh, the energy was there where all the kids were playing. The the adults were maybe playing musical instruments and chatting away, and it went till dark. And they were always pleasant because we're social creatures. And to separate community, to break community down to where you don't know who your neighbor is, five, six, ten doors down anymore, families hardly talk to one another, everyone's involved in social media, so they're staring at a computer or a smartphone, they're isolated, you could have a family of four, they might be sitting together for dinner, but they're all distracted, two or three on the phone, the other one's doing the dishes or preparing a meal and, and it's the community isn't there. And that's very sinister to take humans, the, the essence of how we're designed or the nature of how we operate and to stymie that literally put up a cement wall to where it's, it's rare for community to get together and have these, functions where we're social and we rely on one another. You know, back in the day, if someone lost their job or came down with cancer or heart attack or they had a terrible car accident, the community would pass the hat. Meals would be brought over and funds would be gathered because everyone knew they had a mortgage and utilities and the neighborhood wouldn't let a family in a time of need during hardship fall through the cracks. I, I don't see that today. I haven't seen that since the late 70s, early 80s. It's the last I saw that. So who does that? Humans don't do that. It's, a, it's against our grain. It's against how we operate. So this is obviously an alien or non-human influence that has driven mankind today. If you're also dealing with advanced sciences, sciences, I'm a, I'm a research scientist, and I, I didn't know, growing up, my first degree, I got a chemistry degree, and then years later, I got an environmental science degree, so I, I was always heavy in science. I had a uh, two-year associate degree in computer programming in the mid-80s, but I've always been heavy in the science. And then I find out probably more so with my environmental science degree that the, the human body can really be affected by a lack of proper nutrition, you know, too much sugar or uh, chemicals, processed foods, the lack of fresh air, clean water. 
really can take its toll over time. And I think the, as a society, I think we've slowly been poisoned, you know, with a lack of uh, proper food. There might be foods labeled organic, but how realistic is that? It's how true can it be? Or if the uh, the food is organic to, to best attempts, what condition is the soil like? So if there's an organic farm and it started eight or 10 years ago, what was done to that land 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago before this organic farm got started? Or if there are uh, spraying, atmospheric spraying, that's way out of our control, it's, it's being done at the highest level beyond functioning governments, Someone's funding it. There's pilots who are flying and they crisscross the sky. Doesn't that eventually end up on the organic farm? And there's uptake in the plants, the roots, the stems, the soil itself. So do we really have access to clean organic foods anymore? Probably not. The more I look into it, that's not the case. Water, forget water. The, the, <laughs> the dynamics of water, the understanding of water... I didn't know when I had my chemistry degree, I studied water. In fact, that was one of my final exams in analytical chemistry was water, which was I thought was a mean trick by the professor. But trying to figure out for over a month that I had water throughout, I thought I kept doing it wrong. But he gave me water, which, believe it or not, is harder to detect than you think when your mindset thinks you have this unknown chemical composition and everything comes up negative you think you're doing your lab tests wrong <laughs> but they were right all the time because it was just plain old water but my understanding of water is a thousandfold what it was with my chemistry degree so water is very complex it's not, it's not h2o and clear it's way more advanced than that water is a, a carrier carries energy it's a liquid crystal it can be energized it can have it can be programmed it can have short-term memory so the water today that we're exposed to which we need and it gets into our cells or bloodstream if the water's contaminated and not pristine and doesn't have proper energy or code within the water crystals that 100 percent affects the entire body of a human, plant, or animal. So if there's advanced uh, species, let's say aliens, I don't know what term you want to use, or if there's an advanced technology that knows water way better than I do after studying it for years, they can manipulate the water. Just manipulating the water alone means you could captivate the entire planet, humans, plants, and animals just by having extreme intelligence and knowing how to alter and affect the H2O water molecule. So that right there lets me know something is going on that is way beyond our comprehension, unfortunately. And who knows how long it's been here influencing this planet in our species. Kind of switching gears, it's related to this topic. 
I, I don't know quite know how to present this. Probably 90 to 100 percent of anything I want to talk about, the other person listening to this absolutely could go, this guy is bat gawana crazy. It's 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 off the wall. It's strange topics. It's a very unusual mindset or reality. And I expect almost 100% rejection and disbelief. I can kind of listen to these podcasts and I, or I listen to myself when I'm speaking of these scientific discoveries, and I can imagine the other person thinking this is too far-fetched. So it's very frustrating because I know what the average response is. Nothing I can do about it. There's so many factors or parameters that got society that way that people like me absolutely seem to be lunatics or have lost it. And then you wonder, then do you just keep your mouth shut? A lot of what, that does happen. I just We just keep our mouth shut. We keep working and discovering and experimenting and just don't share it because of the lack of acceptance or understanding. So why put yourself through that abuse? But ancient texts, these ancient scriptural texts were interesting. I, I was raised uh, around scriptural texts and have read them over and over again over the years. But was it interesting the last 15 years, let's say, I've been reading them as I've trained myself and have talked to a few other scientists who specialize in field theory, which is different than atomic theory, that now that I read these ancient texts, understanding field theory much better, and that's all that I work with is field theory, not atomic theory, that I was classically trained. I've abandoned that in 2008. So field theory and understanding how that works and reading these ancient texts, a whole different reality has come to mind. So I'm reading these text references, and I think different now. So I'm beginning to paint a much different picture than what I had growing up. It's, it's just it's the same scriptural text, references, but I, I'm just viewing it from a different lens from a scientific standpoint of field theory. So let me share this with you, some background information. Daniel, the book of Dan, written by Daniel after his name, covered a time period of 618 BCE, that's before Common Era, and 536 BCE. So if we were to hop in a time machine and go back to 600 BCE, you would have the Babylonian Empire. They'd be the world empire at the time. So today, that would be geographically the area of Iraq, what we call Iraq today. 
Nebuchadnezzar is the emperor um, at the time that Babylon was a very large city, easily uh, 2 million people in that city and the surrounding area. It straddled the Euphrates River. It was a, a marvelous feat of engineering to, to build it with the river going right through it. And the historical references of the Babylonian Empire, there's traces of it today, which is interesting. If you have in the, the Middle East or the Western world, the, the seven main empires, starting with the Egyptian and Assyrian empires through Rome, and then as Rome breaks up, it picks up again with the uh, British Empire and its big Navy fleet in the late 16, 17, 1700s. The Babylonian Empire had the greatest reach and traces of it affecting each and every one of us today out of all the empires. So that was a, that was a biggie. So Nebuchadnezzar's in charge, and Daniel, who was an Israelite, Israel had been taken captive of the Babylonian Empire, so they were under Babylon's jurisdiction. Daniel was, um, I wouldn't say... Legally, he was a foreigner, but he could have been viewed as a captive slave. But he, but he had uh, high-ranking privileges because of his involvement with the royal family in Babylon and his ability to interpret scriptures. So it was. It's a very unique relationship. Here he is, uh, a Jew, under Babylonian empire control, but he had a lot of privileges and uh, responsibilities being a foreigner. Very interesting uh, Bible account. But in Daniel, the fourth chapter, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, very disturbing dream of, of, of a giant tree. I encourage you to read the whole chapter. It's not that long. Take maybe nine minutes. But the... Uh, Giant tree reached into the heavens and um, beautiful, very healthy, strong, majestic tree. And it was an ecosystem all in itself. So all the animals and the kingdoms were under this uh, giant tree. And then watchers, these angelic watchers, non-human entities uh, come down with a, a command and a cry to chop it down, and this giant tree gets chopped down, crashes to the earth, shaking the earth, and then the stump is banded. And the recurring dream was very frightening, and Daniel gives its interpretation. Now, it has most of these ancient text references. They always had a minor and major fulfillment. So we'll just talk about the minor fulfillment of this. It's very interesting, and it's the point that I want to make in this particular episode, the major fulfillment would be a completely different topic for another day, if we ever reach that other day, 
and chances are we won't, unfortunately. But I will play a small portion. This is an audio portion of this reading from my phone. Hopefully it'll pick up on the microphone here. And I'll play a couple minutes of it, pause it, and then I'll make the point. Very interesting point about what you're about to hear. This is the interpretation, O King, and the decree of the Most High is that which must befall my Lord the King. And you they will be driving away from men, and with the beasts of the field your dwelling will come to be. And the vegetation is what they will give even to you to eat, just like bulls. And with the dew of the heavens you yourself will be getting wet. And seven times themselves will pass over you until you know that the Most High is ruler in the kingdom of mankind, and that to the one whom he wants to, he gives it. And because they said to leave the rootstock of the tree, your kingdom will be sure to you after you know that the heavens are ruling. Therefore, O king, may my counsel seem good to you, and remove your own sins by righteousness, and your iniquity by showing mercy to the poor ones. Maybe there will occur lengthening of your prosperity. All this befell Nebuchadnezzar the king. At the end of twelve lunar months, he happened to be walking upon the royal palace of Babylon. The king was answering and saying, Is not this Babylon the great that I myself have built for the royal house with the strength of my might and for the dignity of my majesty? While the word was yet in the king's mouth, there was a voice that fell from the heavens. To you it is being said, O Nebuchadnezzar the king, the kingdom itself has gone away from you, and from mankind they are driving even you away, and with the beasts of the field your dwelling will be. Vegetation they will give even to you to eat just like bulls, and seven times themselves will pass over you until you know that the Most High is ruler in the kingdom of mankind, and that to the one whom he wants to, he gives it. At that moment, the word itself was fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and from mankind he was being driven away, and vegetation he began to eat just like bulls, and with the dew of the heavens his own body got to be wet, until his very hair grew long just like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. Okay, there's historical cuneiform tablets that record the event that Nebuchadnezzar had lost his sanity during his kingship. And just like it was prophesied or predicted seven times or seven years, had passed when something came over Nebuchadnezzar. And it was fairly instant or quick. The text earlier had mentioned that his heart of a human would be taken away and he'd be given a heart of the beast. So in Daniel, 
chapter 4, verse 16, it said, Let its heart be changed from that of mankind, and let the heart of a beast be given to it, and let seven times pass over it. So a year after this interpretation had taken place, Daniel interpreted this dream. Twelve months to the day went by. And as we just heard, Nebuchadnezzar's on the palace rooftop and he's looking over the immense city in that particular empire. He gets a little braggadocious and then <laughs> instantly he hears this voice and the dream and its interpretation is recalled. And for seven years he loses his sanity and he turns into a wild beast. The historical accounts show that his actual hair consistency of his hair changed, much like that of eagle feathers. And he had claws like that of a wild beast. And he was without royal clothing. And he ate and slept and existed in the forestry region outside the city for seven years. During that time, his oldest son, Evil Merodach, took over uh, the Babylonian Empire. He, he didn't uh, do a good job. Historical records showed that. And then at the end of the seven years, as uh, predicted, Nebuchadnezzar got his sanity back and resumed his kingship. And his son went back to being just one of the governors. Well, what do we learn by this? We have found out through field theory that this is very interesting. There's electromagnetic signaling that comes from our sun. Stars are basically like the end of fiber optic cables. Suns or stars, like our sun, are unique because they're able to take energy and data from counter space and port it into our dimension. So our particular sun, there's data, electromagnetic energy and data attached to it that streams from our sun. As, as far as you and I are concerned, humanity, there's electromagnetic signaling coming from counter space. So I'm using scientific terms. But you could use terms of, of heaven or we're source, creator, the divine God, God dwells. But there's a signal that comes from counter space that's received here on earth. And our DNA, mankind's DNA, have receptors. And particular frequencies are sent and they're received by our DNA. And it keeps humans behaving as humans in elevated position above animals. If that signaling stops, blocked, or is removed, humans revert to animals instantaneously. And that's what happened here in 600 BCE with Nebuchadnezzar. What keeps our sanity and what keeps us human versus wild beasts? It's 
So, you know, we, we, you can have a relationship, a lot of you do, with your favorite cat, dog. It could be one of the more rare birds, even fish for that matter. You know, pets, domestic pets, see, they'll, they'll have a certain personality and they, there's a relationship. And you respond to their name. They can do tricks. And you seem to understand each other. And you can kind of tell when they're sick or they can tell when we're sick. And then you're worried about them. You take them to the vet. But wild beasts, I'm talking about wild beasts as this references in Daniel, the fourth chapter. If that signaling is stopped or blocked from counter space, man turns into wild beast instantaneously. You follow what I'm saying? We understand exactly how this works now in field theory. What you are beginning to see and what you will see, you and I, in the months to come, there seems to be a strong indication that the signaling is being withdrawn or blocked or being stopped, probably from counter space reaching the earth. So you are going to start to see humanity, neighbors. Workmates, even family mates. You're going to start to see people revert into beast-like animal behavior. Mad Max, zombie-like condition. Very soon as we see society deteriorate into an animalistic dog-eat-dog mind-boggling, bizarre behavior that is extremely frightening, there's only going to be a handful of human beings that remain human because they're still receiving that electromagnetic signaling coming from counter space. Now, that's a lot to comprehend. If you read between the lines, do you realize what I just said? My next question is, have you heard this from anyone else or any other platform? If you have, I would like to hear that broadcast. That would be interesting. This isn't science fiction. This isn't bizarre. This is actually happening. So this fits with ancient texts. This is a very unique time to be alive, to be on this planet. With this experience of the human condition being human. This is not going to be repeated, what's happening now and what we're about to see. This is the granddaddy of them all. Physics are in play that... People do not understand. It is not being taught by any schooling or academia on this planet. The real truth of field theory and how our existence is connected to electromagnetic energy, but electromagnetic data or programming coming from counter space. So there's a lot of intelligence and there's a lot of life, obviously, way beyond planet Earth. 
we're connected to it. And when humans or as a species, as a whole, when humans have lost their connection, they're behaving in such a way that they are not receiving that signal from counterspace, they will no longer have the privilege or act human anymore. That's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar for seven years until the signaling was restored and he got his sanity back. You read the rest of that chapter, you find out what did he learn from this lesson? He learned a valuable lesson. Are you aware of this? In 332 BCE, Alexander the Great, who started his empire at age 20, he took over after Philip II, his father. That in itself is unusual. How's a 20-year-old assume command? And then if you read history, I mean, he just had victory after victory, military campaigns where he's outnumbered. A lot of times he's outnumbered seven to one sometimes higher, and he wins victory after victory after, this is 20 years old, right? So the Grecian Empire, Alexander the Great, in 332 BCE, after major victories, is shown in private by secret council. Libraries not open to the public, and he's shown ancient books of Daniel. And they go over the entire book of Daniel, including this chapter and other chapters. Do you know what he learned when he was shown this ancient book of Daniel and this library? Are you aware of what he learned? I am. Do you know who those books are today? Do you know who has access to the information that was shown to Alexander the Great? That contains information that you just heard right here? There'll be 100 of you who listen to this. That's it. Only 100. That's as far as this ever goes. Technically, do you think this would do any good if it was on a popular streaming podcasts that have millions, millions and millions of viewers? No. See, the system doesn't work that way. This information is never allowed to get out. So if 100 listen to it, that's a miracle. It'll never get beyond that. It's not allowed to. It's just the way it works, unfortunately. There's a lot going on, folks. We are in a spiritual warfare. What's already begun, but this year into next year is a doozy. It will shock everyone how reality changes, behavior of community, behavior of governments, of banks, of militaries. It's going to be shocking. One thing's for sure, 
I don't know all the answers. Never claim to. We've got a lot of answers, a lot of which can't even talk about. People either can't comprehend it or we're never allowed the platform to, to discuss it, unfortunately. And not everyone can come to my lab and we have time to talk about this one-on-one, -on -one, unfortunately. It's just the way it is. But this is never to be repeated, what we're about to see. So I highly recommend that we're in a spiritual warfare that you awaken as fast as possible. And um, I'll try to help as much as I can. I've, I've tried for years and years and years, four and a half years, discord groups, a lot of which didn't pan out. You'd have people that would infiltrate them and sabotage the group and uh, create chaos. It starts out with good intentions. It only takes one or two bad people to get in there. It's, it's just a mess. So I'm not doing that anymore. I haven't done it in a, in a while. I was able to have good conversations, made a lot of friends worldwide with the software. I'm very happy of that. Don't have that ability today uh, to do that. It's unfortunate. Individually, email me. You can try Jet Blake at jetblake2011 at gmail.com. I can see if I can help, but there's only so many hours in the day. I strongly encourage you to get out in nature, be grounded, meditate, pray. Don't watch TV. I got rid of TV in 1992. I got rid of TV. Do not watch TV. Don't get involved in social media or anything of that nature. Get spiritually connected immediately. There's no time to waste. With that being said, we'll take care. I wish everyone well. Try to eat right. Get plenty of rest. Get out of debt. Don't accumulate any more debt. Meditate. Think and meditate. Quiet places as much as possible. We really need to keep our sanity and be spiritually inclined. Good night, everyone.